This morning we're going to begin a new series on our simply kind of series. And again, I think the more we use the word simply, the more complicated and complex it gets. Because we, um, just yeah, I see God has got a sense of humor with me that why did I choose that word when? Because simply Sabbath, Sabbath is such a, a complex thing. Um, and I'm just going to be very honest with you. There are two reasons why, when I was thinking and praying about the series of teaching for this year, why I chose um, this kind of theme for Sabbath. And not necessarily the, 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 the terminology simply, but why we deal with Sabbath. And uh, there, there's two reasons, and I'm going to kind of unfold them to you now as I um, share a little bit more of what you know, we're about to, to hear from God's words. The first reason is the pastoral one. It is pastoral because I see that I am surrounded by people who are very loyal and committed and you're a bunch of alcoholics. <laughs> And my heart reaches out to you. I met somebody um, two days ago um, who said that um, a member of her family had clocked 90 hours over time for the last four weeks. Um, so this is, this is such a pastoral issue because this is the world, this is the, the society, this is the life that we, we live in. So... This is my pastoral heart that is reaching out to you. And because, because I come from that place of knowing that we are all busy and we are all in all different capacities trying to achieve, trying to do things, I still am aware that God is at work in our midst. And I've got this conviction that God is at work in our midst, even in the area of Sabbath and rest. And I just wanted to throw that in there. So, we're going to be spending the next three Sundays. Um, I know some of you think, oh, three Sundays on Sabbath, that's a lot of time. I've had that reaction, so don't worry. You're not going to be the first one. But I just... I really want for us to journey this carefully because, again, I'm aware that as God speaks to us, that he speaks to you as an individual, but also he speaks to us as a body. So I really want to, to tread this very carefully. When we talk about Sabbath, uh, the first time that we come to term Sabbath, we, we come in the Garden of Eden. But the institution is when um, God has just brought out the Israelites out of Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 16, you've got this people who are complaining to go back to Egypt because they were really, you know, have been walking around for a month and they're really struggling and they want to go back. And God gives them the manna which they call, what is it? But also God gives them Sabbath. 
And then the next time in the Pentateuch where the Sabbath is in Exodus chapter 20 with the Ten Commandments. And we're going to be looking at the Ten Commandments this morning, but we're not going to look at all of them. I'm just going to look at the Fourth Commandment that has to do only with Sabbath, and we're going to to be exploring a little bit about that. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to uh, talk to you about some of the views. So, um, Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you should not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidenservant, not your animals, not the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, there are four kind of main views that's of four understandings in the 21st century about Sabbath. Uh, the first view is the view which Basically, the Seventh-day Adventists hold. Um, The view is that the Sabbath has been instituted from the beginning, from creation, and therefore it's permanent to this day. There is no negotiations about it. It should be kept holy. It should be kept separate. Uh, Worship should happen on Saturday, and there is no negotiations about it. The second view is the what's so-called the Christian Sabbath, which basically says or suggests that the Old Testament is still binding. Um, and they kind of separate the, 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 the Old Testament law in three categories, you know, moral, civil, and um, ceremonial. And they think that, for those that hold this view, you know, that actually Sabbath, there is a place for Sabbath because there is a moral elements to it, and therefore it's still binding. Uh, The third view, which is a little bit more complex and complicated, is what the Lutheran Church holds, and, well, it has come from Martin Luther, Luther really, uh, saying that all the commandments of the law, especially the Ten Commandments, have become one in, you shall not have no other gods, and I think the Lutherans go between the, the they swing between the, the whole idea of people have got the liberty to do whatever they want with their Sabbath to the idea of condemnation to say, well, if you've got the liberty, but you still are going to be told off or condemned that you're not keeping the Sabbath. And the fourth view is the what is called the spiritualized Sabbath, that actually everything that has to be, you know, so Jesus fulfilled the whole law, so everything that had to do with, with, with this idea of Sabbath is fulfilled in Jesus, and therefore you automatically rest in Jesus. So all the teaching of the Old Testament is still applicable 
if it's taught in the New Testament. Otherwise, it's out of the scene. Now, we're going to expand a little bit on these views a little bit more next Sunday. But I think whatever these four views stand for, what we read from Exodus and what we read from the New Testament, there are, I mean, there are a lot of principles, but there are two principles that I would like to suggest this morning that come out very straight from God's word and also from this kind of um, different understandings of the Sabbath. Um, and this principle is a twofold. Um, it is very clear that the idea of Sabbath, whether in the New Testament or in the Old Testament, offers um, a rhythm of life. And that rhythm of life includes worship, work, and rest. And the f- fundamental part of this principle is the other side, because I said it's a twofold, where we are aware that God is in control. And all the time, yesterday, today, and forever, all the time belongs to God. Now, the idea of Sabbath is quite puzzling, so I've decided to use... Can we have the next slide, Mark? Sorry. Um, I've, I've decided to use the, the, the puzzle because I think, again, it's, it's, it's trying to, to, to make it um, accessible for everybody, but also trying to understand what God is trying to say to us. So, in, in this twofold principle... The rhythm of life, worship, work, and rest. And all time belongs to God. Where do you stand? Or where do you sit, literally? I've got the feeling that, if we can have the next slide, Mark, please. We've got a tendency and a temptation that in this world that is so demanding in this society that is so pressurized in in our workplace in our family lives in whatever we do in our commitments that we 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 seem to be knowing very well that actually there is this rhythm of life of worship of work and rest but we seem not to get it right and in our pursue to to get it right, we tend to go, we've got the tendency, and we are tempted to go um, towards the whole idea of manufacturing counterfeit rests. Where we really see, we we go uh, towards the idea of uh, manufacturing counterfeit ideas that perhaps soothe us for the moment but they don't have a permanent impact in our lives. And one of those ideas is escapism, escapism, where we fantasize, where we daydream, where we think, oh, it's okay, we'll be all right. The other idea that we're trying to deal with is 
the giving up, the, when we are defeated, defeatism, when we actually think, well, what's the point of this? We might as well just plod on and, you know, not bother. Because we forget that God has got that plan for our life, for our rhythm to be in that rhythm of worship, work and rest. And the other thing that we try to do, um, and I find myself doing, is the perfectionism. When I try to find myself being part of routines and boundaries around myself to try and solve it. And I think that's what was happening in the time of Jesus with the Pharisees as well. When they took the concept of Sabbath and they made 39 rules out of it. Just to, to explain it, what it means and what it doesn't mean. When, when actually... The whole notion is that we have to remember. Well, the whole notion was that the Old Testament and the Jews and the people then had to remember to set aside a day, a time for God to be thinking what he has done and who they are. So we do find ourselves in this kind of tendencies and temptations and sometimes unfortunately we fall into the trap of this endless spiral going on and on about escapism, defeatism, defeatism and perfectionism and in the same time I think that that, that song of good, good father is so timely because there is an invitation. There is good news for us. There is an invitation from Father God for you and me. And actually, these are the answers that God, that God provides. There is an invitation. Can we have the next slide, please, Mark? Um, there is an invitation for us to look at what's going on and step away. Now, I think this is very hard for me. Because the stepping away has to do with trust. Or let's be more specific. The stepping away or stepping aside has to do with trusting God. So less of my control and more of his control. And as people, we've got the tendency, we've got this battle within us that actually we want to sort it, we want to, to do it ourselves because we are surrounded by people who are achieving and we need to have that affirmation, we need to have all those things. And yet, down in the end of the day, we come to the unescapable truth that he is a good father and I am loved by him and that's who I am. Last week I was in Lisbon and uh, 
I remember seeing Jeff Wallace doing a program on BBC2 getting on top of a crane and I'm not very good with heights and in Lisbon there was this bridge this um, metal frame bridge that you could see the water as you walked into it and um, it wasn't it wasn't that high. I mean, Amelia was a little bit shaky, but I think I was more shaky than Amelia. Because I couldn't, I couldn't trust this bridge going on top of it. And you can see the water, and you're walking through uh, little uh, slips of wood, and you see people on their bikes, and you're thinking, how are they doing it? I can't do it. And when I thought about trust, sharing that this morning with you, I thought, actually, what I wanted to do down deep within me was I wanted to get out of that bridge and walk on land where I know that my feet are sturdy and I am in control. And what that bridge was telling me was, actually, there is enough people, architects, engineers, and everybody who has worked hard to make that bridge safe for me to walk and actually I need to trust that so when, 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 when God is offering us when God is inviting us to come to him are we trusting him enough or do we still want to be in control of our deadlines of our commitments of our work, of our families, of our ministries. And I think this idea of, of rest is something that we, 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 we live in denial of, especially in the Western cultures. We, we, we've got it. We, we've got this gift that God is giving to us. And we, it's, it's still unopened because we're too busy to open it. And the invitation is there for you and for me to actually explore, explore the gift that God has given you. I've got a problem with Psalm 23. You know what my biggest problem is? Is that we use that often on the day of our funerals. I haven't got a problem with the, with the text of the psalm. I've got a problem with the usage. And the invitation of the good shepherd is, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The invitation is there for you and me to explore this unopened gift of rest, of this unopened uh, um, gift of this rhythm of worship and rest and work. And there is an invitation as well to renew. And I think this, this is hard. This is hard because I think that renewal 
has to be a personal decision. I think we're very good at expressing, and I'm not saying it cans, but I think as Christians, we're very good at, at expressing our affection for Jesus publicly. But by my biggest struggle is what he prompts me in through his spirit in my inner soul. That's my biggest problem. When he's inviting me, when he's inviting me to walk with him, when he's inviting me to actually not only know and public, publicly declare that he's a good, good father, but taste and see and experience it better than I've ever experienced it before. So I've got a little homework for us this morning. I'd I'd like to encourage each and every one of us this week to spend, to find, to make one hour out of 168 hours that you've got this week. A space when you go to God with an empty diary an empty journal and just let him fill your cup. And this homework is for you and for me to do with the idea that we come back and share about it. That we don't just keep it to ourselves. But if we have been singing all morning, and we've, if this tone of he is a good, good father has been coming on this week, uh, all over the service this morning, I think we, we, we want to experience that. And I don't know where you're sitting this morning. I don't know what are the things that you're struggling the most with your business of life and intensity of whether family, work, Um, other commitments, traveling, other burdens, I don't know. But I just want for us to have a chance this week to say, God, this is the hour that I want to meet you this week. I'm not going to come with an agenda. I just want to rest in you. And I want to really experience the truthfulness of Psalm 23. And let's watch the space and see what happens. I'm going to finish with one quotation. It's a long one. And it's from Tim Keller. Last slide, Mark. The purpose of Sabbath is not simply to rejuvenate yourself in order to do more production, nor is it for the pursuit of pleasure. The purpose of Sabbath is to enjoy God, life in general, what you have accomplished in the world through his help, and the freedom you have in the gospel. The freedom from slavery to any material 
object or human expectation. The Sabbath is a sign of the hope that we have in the world to come. Let's pray. We come to you, Father God, with our tendencies and temptations and excuses. Of our manufacture rests. And we want to respond to your invitation this morning, Lord. We really want to respond to it. Thank you that you invite us to trust you today. That's so hard, Lord. You invite us, Lord, to explore this morning things that we've been missing out in being with you. And you invite us, Lord, to remember that as we try to get this rhythm of life right in a state that is pleasing unto you that you remind us Lord that you are with us you want to walk with us you are inviting us to a place of rest And I pray, Lord Jesus, is that that response to that invitation is not just now, and it's not emotional, but it comes from the deepest place of our hearts, because really you call us into deep, deep, deep. that we've got a good, good Father who is the same yesterday, today and forever. And despite of our failures, we can still come back to you. So that's what we're doing this morning, Lord. And we can do that only because of what Jesus has done for us. For which we are very grateful to you. In Jesus' name, Amen.